Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I'm supporting all my favorite Bay Area teams. Who are you rooting for? From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casinos as well. They never close. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is presented by Beachly, who I'm super excited about because I live near the beach and I love the beach style. Beachly is a box of beach-inspired apparel and accessories delivered four times a year. With Beachly, you get six to eight pieces of premium apparel, and proceeds from each box sold funds beach cleanups by Heal the Bay. You choose either quarterly or annual payments for your subscription, and you can also cancel at any time. So go to Beachley's website and use our promo, SKATING, to get $20 off your subscription. Again, use our code SKATING, that's S-K-A-T-I-N-G, at checkout at beach.ly today. Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today's episode is a very important episode. I'm talking with Rachel Flatt, and we cover the sensitive topic of eating disorders in sport, particularly skating. We go through the details of skaters who find themselves falling into this, what to do if you find yourself one of those skaters, parents and coaches what to do if you find your kid falling into an unhealthy pattern, and we're giving resources for you to get more information if you need it. Please enjoy this episode. Today I am with an amazing skater, Rachel Flatt. She was our 2010 U.S. national champion, and she went to the Vancouver Olympic Games, did awesome there. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually at the 2010 nationals uh, when I watched you win that nationals and qualify for the Olympics. I was just a novice lady, and afterwards I hung out all week and watch the top skaters in real life. And I loved your jazzy program in the pink dress. I remember seeing it from like up in the bleachers where all the novice ladies were um, sitting and we were all just screaming because it was so fun, so lively. What was your Olympics experience like in Vancouver? Well, on the whole, uh, it was pretty fantastic. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure from your perspective, it was probably life-changing as well when you went. Um, but it, it's fun to hear about how those programs resonated with you at nationals before I competed at the games. Cause you know, it's like nationals is, is the time where you're kind of making any fine tuning, uh, last minute tweaks in the hopes that you will make an Olympic team. Um, so that was like a really good trial run. <laughs> Unfortunately it all worked out. And then being able to perform at the Olympics was just incredible. You know, it's, Unlike any other experience, uh, it is so overwhelming and exciting and exhausting. And there's, 
you know, athletes who are coming to and from the, uh, you know, kind of from the village who have just won, you know, a medal who are celebrating like crazy. And there are athletes, you know, who are coming back to the village each night who, you know, for whom things did not work out the way they wanted to. And so there's just a ton of highs, a ton of lows, and you're trying to like take care of yourself and support others while you're kind of going through this insane two, two and a half week period. I went to the Vancouver, did the opening ceremonies because I was like, I'm not missing that for the world. Um, I actually took a week and went back home to Colorado Springs because me being the nerd that I am was very worried about my AP classes and falling behind. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, which I, I don't think a lot of other people would have made that decision, but I decided, you know, I just wanted to be uh, focused and kind of keep everything as routine as possible. So went home for a week, uh, trained and then went back to the village and then had a couple days to get settled and train and then I competed. And I think my programs were two of the best that I had ever competed and it was such a blast. You know, there was a lot of American support in the crowd with, you know, with it being in Vancouver and just across the border. So that was fantastic. I think the actual reception, at least of my free program, was definitely disappointing. I didn't get the scores that I had hoped I would and, you know, that made it very bittersweet. And, you know, you just have to put like basically face this huge line of reporters who are throwing microphones in your face saying like, what did you do wrong? You know, what happened? And, you know, I didn't have any answers. I didn't know. I I did the best that I could and, you know, performed the programs the, the way I'd always performed them. So, you know, that part was certainly challenging, but I think it was completely made up for by the fact that I was able to, you know, celebrate with my friends, celebrate with my family and enjoy the experience and, you know, represent Team USA on the largest stage there is. Well, I can't believe you went back for your AP classes. That's so cool. Like <laughs> that, that dedication is impeccable because there are, obviously aren't that many figure skating athletes that are so dedicated to school alongside. So that's super inspiring that you were able to do that. I remember watching your short program in the 2011 nationals actually in Greensboro. And that was the first live performance that actually gave me chills that I've ever seen of any skater before. Um, It was electric to be there that night. Do you have a favorite moment from your skating career? I keep that that answer keeps being revised. Definitely the 2011 national short program was it, it's at the top of my list because when I competed it there it was I think a week and a half old. That program was had just been choreographed, you know, of course people were you know the, the diehard Michelle Kwan fans were not thrilled that I was skating to East of Eden. Um, but Lori Nickel, who uh, choreographed that program for Michelle, also choreographed East of Eden for me. You know, we spent a lot of time going back and forth between <laughs> between music, and I was very much erring on the side of wanting to do something else that was edgier and and a little bit harder. And I think as soon as we came to the agreement that East of Eden was the the music for me, pull you know we put our own spin on it and. When I came back and practiced that program in Colorado Springs for like that first week before we left for nationals, the entire rink would like stop and everyone would go to the boards and just watch because it was a completely different style of skating for me. And it was, it, it felt electric even when I was practicing it. So competing that program in, in Greensboro is definitely kind of a, a top moment for me. 
I think more recently though, my most favorite, and it's bittersweet as well, my most favorite moment is actually when I competed at my last nationals in 2014, that free program. Like as soon as I finished my program, you know, it wasn't my best. I had had a slew of injuries over the years and I hadn't really been able to train the way I wanted to. And I was busy with school and, you know, it was kind of the, the laundry list of <laughs> things that were going on in my life. And, you know, I, I was just putting it all out there and, and knowing that I was going to be able to finish on my own terms was super important to me at that point. And so when I, was about to get off the ice. Justin Dillon, who was my coach at the time, he like gave me this huge bear hug and he said, okay, you have to turn around and take this in because you know, this is your last time. And, you know, I think a number of folks in the audience knew that it was going to be my last performance. And so they, you know, had somewhat of a standing ovation, even though my program wasn't <laughs> what I hoped it would be. Um, and it was just so special and surreal. And I think looking back on that moment, it was like, wow, this is such a such an incredible chapter of my life that I'm able to close now on my own terms and how fortunate am I to be able to doing this or to be able to do this right now. Yeah, that's, that's a moment that I think has really shifted, uh, you know, my life course and, and I recognize the importance of that moment. And so that's certainly one of my favorites now, even though it was bittersweet. <laughs> that's really awesome. It's good to have, that kind of moment that gives you a really good relationship with skating because I know that so many athletes uh they leave the sport you know a lot of skaters like just don't want to go back to the rink they're like I'm done like I don't even want to step foot in um but with what you're talking about it's completely on your own terms and you're accepting whatever goes forward like skating doesn't need to be negative in any way like you've had so many great experiences and with that performance uh that's kind of exactly what you got to do. So that's really cool. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with that. That was exactly how I felt. It's super impressive that you went to regular school and kept up with all of that, all of your hard classes while performing so well at your competitions with super difficult elements. Did you have the chance to be homeschooled at any point? I did pretty much all my classes uh, in person at a you know public high school and middle school. My parents and I were pretty adamant about prioritizing academics because for me, I always knew that I wanted to do something after skating. And even if I had a fantastic career, I always knew that there was this, a possibility that I could have a career ending injury at any moment where, you know, something could dramatically change. And, you know, I really wanted to make sure that I had myself set up so that I could do kind of whatever I wanted down the line. So for me, that meant prioritizing academics and, I did not do any homeschooling in part because I wanted a community outside of skating, even though I didn't have loads of time to socialize with my school friends. Like at least I was able to, to hang out with them and, and get a, a physical separation and mental separation from skating and the rink. Uh, I really learned a lot from the folks that I interacted with in my high schools, you know, cause it was just like, they were all in invested and ingratiated in all these different communities. And so I was learning about that. And I think that really helped me open my perspective 
to, you know, because the, the life of an elite athlete is very different as, you know, someone who is a teenager compared to what a, a typical teenager would be going through. So it was really important for me to kind of strike that balance, be in school for my classes and have a separation from the rank and <laughs> from that community as well. I just wanted to have a more expanded, a more expanded life, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. I totally relate to that. Uh, going to school full time while competing on the international circuit. It was awesome to have that balance and almost live a double life where if there were ever problems in either one, you could just escape and take the stress off and the load off for a second um, or a few hours or whatever when your mind got to shift into a completely different field because sport is one ball game and then school and academics is a whole nother one. So. Exactly. I mean, how was it, how was it for you balancing that? Because you were also like going to school full time and doing like an amazing job of balancing your work at the rink and, you know, and doing all of your academics. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. I I think since I was super young, I just had so much structure in my day-to-day life because of the fact that I was both in school for a set number of hours. And then I was back at the rink for a set number of hours. And so time management was something I feel like I learned at a really early age and prioritizing both training and my homework and schoolwork was first after only then could come, you know, social activities and other fun stuff. And that's something I saw like as I went to college that a lot of people struggled with and they don't really learn until the end of their undergraduate career, which to me was super fascinating because I feel like when I was already eight years old or nine years old, I was like, but in in high school, especially when I was traveling internationally, I was super, super lucky to have a great high school that helped me, you know, gave me packets and were super supportive, like every time I left a competition. So if I would miss class for a week, I was still doing the packets. I could email my teachers, whatever, and come back and make up any tests I missed. Um, so that was definitely super helpful, but it, it was the best for me to have my work with me at competitions because it completely helped me de-stress and take my mind off of the enormity of what I was about to do in competition and just sit in the hotel room and pretend I wasn't even there you know, switch the mindset. Um, so I, I credit honestly going to school a lot with the mental strength that I had for skating because of the fact that I had an escape, even when the pressure was closing in so high on competition day. Mm -hmm. I totally relate to that. And I feel like I had a very similar experience. Like when you're asking me what my experience was like at the Olympics, I actually was working on like my senior English thesis, uh, the days I competed because I needed to just not think about the fact that literally millions of people were going to be watching me on TV later that night, you know? So it was just such a good break. Exactly. Yeah. So that's totally, that's something that I always tell young skaters too. when their parents ask me about, you know, the potential of homeschooling and stuff like that. I'm like, everyone's different. You got to find the recipe that works for you. But ultimately I've found a lot of strengths with being able to go to school uh, at the same time as competing because the pressure that you can unload in a situation where Otherwise, it gets suffocating. So, yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, you attended Stanford University, which was so amazing, so inspirational, seeing how brilliant your mind is at the same time as the mental strength that you had competing always. Uh, it was the full package. So, how was attending Stanford and what did you study? 
Well, first off, attending, attending Stanford was fantastic. I learned a lot. I was a biology major and a psychology minor. Well, I came in thinking I was going to do like bioengineering or something along those lines. Um, but I realized after taking a couple of those classes that it wasn't quite my cup of tea. And I really wanted more of like the healthcare type of engagement. And so initially I thought, well, I'll be like most of the other Stanford undergrad students and do medical school. <laughs> um, and I was really interested in it and I was really engaged with the material. But at the end of the day, like when it came time for med school applications, I actually submitted like my first round of applications. And when it came time for really writing about like why this was something that I wanted to do, it was not there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it was interesting knowing that my, Stanford experience was framed around that because I, you know, I did four, essentially four full years of pre-med requirements. And um, so that was certainly challenging and very rigorous academically. But I also made sure that in spite of, you know, having to traverse around the Bay Area from, you know, San Jose first thing in the morning to Palo Alto in the afternoon to Oakland, uh, you know, for evening sessions back down to Stanford, uh, you know, that was like my weekly or my daily rotation. <laughs> so I was usually spending like four hours in the car every day on top of training and on top of classes and homework and, you know, going to physical therapy because I was hurt a lot during those years. Even in spite of that insane schedule, I was making sure that I was prioritizing like somewhat of a typical college experience. Like I was going out with friends and being a part of different communities. You know, I was a junior class president and on senior class cabinet and involved in a number of other things that I was really interested in and wanted to partake in, but I, it, it, I don't think it fits super well in my schedule if you were just looking at it on a sheet. I just had to make it work because those were things that were important to me. So it was, it was a lot. <laughs> um, by the end of it, I was exhausted, but com it was completely worth it. And, um, and also that was where I met my now husband. So I, for that alone, it was great. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Okay, guys, really quick. I want to tell you about this awesome company I'm partnering with Viome. You can find out what foods and supplements are right for your body with their health intelligence test. It looks at your gut microbiome health, your cellular health, immune system health, and more. I'm super excited. I just received my testing kit. It's super simple, and I can't wait to get my results back. Seriously encouraging you all to try out Viome. It's so cool, and it gives you personalized information and resources for your individual health. Order your test on www.viome.com and use code POLINA at checkout. That's P-O-L-I-N-A. I can't wait for you guys to get your results. Well, a lot of people ask me about nutrition and diets for our sport. I know you have a background uh, with the psychology on eating disorders. I think a big problem is that a lot of parents, coaches, and skaters don't really have the knowledge on how to help skaters' health when it comes to nutrition. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a great question. So oftentimes when we think about kind of the roles that each person plays within an athlete's kind of career throughout their entire athletic trajectory, it's really important to understand what your job is and the limitations of your expertise, right? So um, 
specifically when we are thinking about like eating disorders or any disorder eating behavior and body image concerns and things like that, the most often thing that, or the most frequent thing that we talk about is making sure that if you are ever concerned about an athlete's well-being, like the first thing is to make sure that you tell them you support them, you care about them, and uh, you know you help kind of shepherd them to getting an evaluation. So in most instances, a coach, a parent, you know, any support staff, like they're probably not folks who have a background in nutrition or uh, dietetics or uh, psychology. You know, typically those aren't folks who are licensed or, in, or have degrees in, in those careers. So it's really important to make sure that you, you convey that you support the athlete, but don't kind of overstep those bounds into providing like unwarranted or unsolicited medical advice. Um, Cause these are really touchy subjects for a lot of folks. A lot of athletes are super secretive about like their own personal nutrition habits and any disordered eating behaviors, especially because that's part of, that's like kind of consistent with the pathology. So it's, I think the main message that we, we constantly hone in on is Support the athletes, help them seek help when they need it, um, but make sure that you aren't commenting on their weight. You're not commenting on their their nutrition or their their diet. You know, people got to figure that out for themselves, and it's totally independent of what everyone else thinks. You got to do what's right for your own body and for your own mind. So yeah, so that's kind of where I I come down on that. <laughs> I think some folks. Uh, who are really invested in their athlete and their success, it's really easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, you know, I'm going to provide you with all of this information and I'm going to provide you with, um, you know, fad diet tricks or, you know, and, and those long-term aren't particularly helpful and can actually be harmful. So that's kind of where where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the biggest thing that I've learned, especially in the last few years, you know, dealing with my own body changes and growth and maturity with being an adult rather than the tiny skater that I used to be when I was still a teenager is that everyone is different. We all have our own unique microbiomes that require completely different specific individual needs for every single person. So what works for one might not work for the other, you know, and I think people try to be into fad diets or yeah, they do the research on kind of general topics that always try to lead to being skinny or, you know, losing weight. And that's something that isn't really necessary to athletes in particular, because it's not about, you know, how much you weigh or what you look like or your shape. It, it comes down to what you lay on the table at the competition. Right. And so I think a lot of coaches, they sometimes push, kids without a nutritional background, like you were saying, they're not professionals. Uh, and a lot of kids suffer both physical and mental consequences of that. What is your advice to skaters who feel like this might be happening to them, you know, with their team, if they feel like they're getting advice that isn't maybe particular to them? And what is also your advice to coaches who may blame a skater for their weight rather than their training? Yeah, those are, <laughs> those are tough. So for the athlete piece, I think one of the hardest lessons I learned during my career, and I feel like I'm still learning it as just like a human, is how to advocate for yourself. It is so hard to do that sometimes, especially when you are in 
unusual power dynamics. Like when there is a coach who might be like an Olympic level coach or, you know, has other Team USA athletes who's telling you these things that you're like, hmm, I'm not sure if that's what's right for me or you know, maybe I need to do some more research and get that information actually from a licensed professional. That is a great indication of needing to say to that coach, like, hey, you know, I appreciate that information and I appreciate you trying to push me in this direction and, and help advocate for my success. But like, I'm, I'm in control of my career and I need to do what's best for me. And, you know, if they're making comments about your weight, that is definitely an instance where it's completely appropriate to say, you know what, those comments can be either really triggering, those comments can be really derogatory, um, those don't make me feel good. And instead, you know, let's focus on the technique. Let's focus on the things that are actually within my control. Um, Because weight is biologically determined. It's not something that we can, you know, just snap our fingers and change like we can do when we're working on, <laughs> you know, foot technique on a, on a rotation of a jump. So yeah, so those are those are kinds of the, the things that I would say to an athlete when they are concerned about a coach or, you know, or, or some other person who is kind of telling them, you know, things that don't seem in line with their expertise, maybe. And I think to the second part of the question with regards to coaches, Again, I just go back to like, know what your expertise is. And that is truly when it comes down to like every nuance of skating. When it comes to, you know, nutrition, dietetics, psychology, it's great if you can provide that information if you are a licensed professional in those, you know, in those careers. But again, you know, kind of getting into like the the ethical territory, it's like, well, are you coaching that athlete? as a figure skating coach, or are you actually a a licensed provider for them? So again, those lines get a little blurry, so I won't tap into that because (laughs) I feel like uh, that's that's not quite the the question here. But I think in terms of the coaches who, who don't have those backgrounds, who don't have those degrees and those licenses, it's really important to just, again, refer the athletes to uh, licensed professionals and get them evaluations um, and stay on top of them for that. You know, if you're really concerned about them and they, you know, and the athlete or the parents just aren't following through, like it's really important to say, you know, I'm really concerned about you. This could eventually impact your long-term health and we got to stay on top of this. And, you know, maybe I don't feel comfortable coaching you right now because you're not getting help. Um, so it, it goes both ways. It's really important for people to be accountable and responsible because we're not just talking about an athlete's career in sports. We're talking about their short-term and long-term physical and mental health. So the third part of that kind of question angles at parents now, right? So I think it's super important that parents be fully involved in their children's nutrition plan. Uh, It's the parents who should be the strongest supporters for their kids in every single sphere, right? Not just sport ambition. And I think that's kind of where we have a lot of fall through is a lot of parents have really big ambitions and, you know, their own dreams for their kids. And that's when they lose the talent of their kid by pushing them in a wrong direction. And that can be, you know, a lot of the times with nutrition. So what advice do you have for parents listening in on how to best advocate for their child's health? I mean, it was the last point that you made. You have to advocate for your child's health and wellness, right? That is the most important Mm -hmm. thing. And 
if there are any instances where you feel like that's threatened, of course, then you need to kind of jump in and advocate for your kid because sometimes your, your kid is not able to do that or they feel like they can't um, because they might not feel like they're in a safe position to do that. So it is really important to be an active listener as a person who is speaking from a perspective of not being a parent yet, <laughs> but as someone who had a parent and had someone who um, was always in my corner and had parents who were really willing to listen to the issues. Like that was such a, a game changer for me in terms of their support. Um, on the flip side, if you are trying to be really involved in kind of the nutrition plan, like sometimes, most times that is essential, right? You know, if you're cooking for your kid, you want to make sure that they're well-fed. You want to make sure that they're getting the nutrients that they need. So again, it's really important if you want, if you have questions about it, like to go meet with a dietitian who specializes in sports, right? Or, you know, if you are concerned about eating concerns, you want to make sure that you're meeting with a dietitian or a nutritionist who specializes in eating disorders um, and sports. So you got to make sure that you're kind of tailoring the, the needs of your athletes and, and making sure that the, the professionals that you're working with are matched with that. Um, it can be so hard not to just jump in and be like, I want to do all the things because I didn't get to live out my own sports career. And, you know, I want my kid to have all the success. But again, they need to be the drivers of their own careers. And I think going back to something that you said earlier, when you're talking about how to balance school and skating, like those are such important life skills because of the responsibility that you have to take on as a young elite athlete. And so I think I, I had a very similar experience and I think that's helped me a lot down the line. And so as a parent, like if you can help kind of encourage your athlete to really be an active part of their own career and advocate for themselves, um, that's, you know, that's going to be such a tremendous life skill for them down the line. So um, you're helping them essentially get a, yeah, get a head start on that. So I hope that, I feel like that was a very long-winded answer, but it is really complex, you know? It's yeah, just, there's it so is. many facets. It was, it was a great answer. I think <laughs> parents listening in will be like, got it. Okay, this, 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 I can connect it all. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like also like the first thing that should happen at a national championships from every level, from juvenile through senior, I think that U.S. figure skating should possibly provide seminars with professional nutritional psychologists for all of their athletes at any age uh, to get kind of a proper healthy mentality when it comes to food and sport. Because when you think about an athlete, it, we're like cars. This is kind of like the analogy that I like to use. The car is not going to run without gas, right? So in the same way, as athletes that are using so much energy day to day, and then in competition, it's like tenfold because you have all this stress and adrenaline running through your body. You need fuel to burn. Like you're not going to work without that. And so mm -hmm. food is essential when it comes to performing our best because it's what gives us energy directly. And I think the mentality of mm -hmm. the the look of figure skating has morphed. I mean, it hasn't really morphed. It's always kind of been there, but it's it's like it's just kind of this cookie cutter thing and humans aren't cookie cutters like right we come in all different shapes and sizes and abilities and like I said earlier like what works for one won't work for the other but so providing that healthy mentality of 
food being positive for athletics is really important. And without that, eating disorders destroy the careers of so many athletes rather than their actual natural abilities with sport. And I think since everyone has different coaching, it's important to have universal instruction on it because a lot of skaters, we don't even know when they slip through the cracks because of bad advice from coaching teams or whoever's kind of in power in their life and, you know, they look up to and they get something that maybe isn't right for them. So do you know if we have any systems in place within like U.S. figure skating that's working towards that now or if that's something that should be kind of pushed for in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So at least from from my own knowledge currently, um, I actually had the opportunity to write a coaching education requirement course uh, for the Professional Skaters Association, which is kind of the organization for uh, all coaches uh, within kind of the skating umbrella. Um, that's on body image, preventing eating disorders, and uh, how essentially how to speak with your athlete when you are concerned. And I co-wrote that with my a PhD advisor who has spent years in this field and actually is currently a figure skater herself. She grew up skating, took a break and has now, uh, now skates as an adult. And she's um, probably the top, if not one of the top eating disorder researchers worldwide. And um, so she's got quite a, a bit of expertise in this field. And um, also has her, you know, has her own experiences about what that's like in, in skating. So we co-wrote a, a continuing ed course for coaches that they can take on this subject specifically so that they know what signs to look for. They know um, kind of what the bounds are of, of providing uh, information, right? Um, supporting athletes, kind of seeking out the food that is really nutritious and and serves as good fuel for them but beyond that you know not stepping into the territory of saying like well you should be eating xyz things or you should go on a vegan diet because you lose weight like those are not the messages we want coaches to send um because those are super harmful for a lot of folks yeah so we we wrote that that is available to coaches to take and i certainly know that the sports med uh, science or sports medicine and science uh, teams at U.S. Figure Skating are working a lot on um, making sure that there are even better educational opportunities for all coaches and making sure that they understand kind of the referral processes and uh, kind of the community, uh, the community resources. Um, you know, there's there's certainly lots of work to be done because there's always more work that we could be doing on this front. I think there's just a growing movement within sports and, you know, within NGBs and Olympic committees and in professional sports, you know, it's, it's really across the board about increasing the education of all the stakeholders and making sure that athletes truly have a voice and that we're providing the best experiences possible for them and, and making sure that they get um, the help that they need when they need it. That's really awesome. That's so cool that you got to write that for PSA too. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Just what our sport needs. So I'm glad that things are starting to move in a positive direction. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> it takes time, you know, it's yeah. a cult, it's truly a culture shift and that doesn't happen overnight. Right. It'll be a step-by-step process. Uh, you got to start somewhere. So I'm glad we're somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Last question I have for you is uh, this topic about nutrition and 
eating and everything. It's, it's a really sensitive topic for a lot of teenagers when they start developing. And I think a lot of them are shy to ask, you know, their parents what they should do or their coaches what they should do, because it's just, it's not even just an athlete thing, right? It's like an every young adolescent thing where we just don't want to talk about our bodies. We don't want to talk about the changes that are happening and what we should be doing to best cater to that. So what advice do you have for young athletes Mm -hmm. who are growing and don't really know what to do to stay at a good fitness level um, for them? Are there like hotlines that they can call or websites that athletes can look up to, you know, find answers if they're too shy to ask, you know, their coaches or parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first two <laughs> websites that come to mind are the National Eating Disorders Association's website. Um, they actually have an online screening tool. So if you are at all concerned about anything that you're experiencing, you can take a very brief, it's like 20 questions, survey that kind of assesses what's going on. And it's completely free. It's confidential. It takes less than five minutes. Um, but if you do have any concerns, that's a great place to go. Uh, They provide, you know, referral services and they have chat lines and hotlines that you can call. And they also have a ton of materials that are all evidence-based and it's like up on the current eating disorder and body image and nutrition literature. So that's one of the best places to go. The second place that I would also recommend is Mental Health America's website because not only do they have uh, content on eating disorders and body dysmorphia, Uh, They also have content on other mental health concerns, which are oftentimes coinciding with uh, any eating concerns. So it's really important to seek help when you need it and just to open up that conversation. And I know it can be super uncomfortable to do that. If you can at least start that conversation with a friend or a peer who you know will be a good listener or, you know, talk with someone who is a trusted adult first, if you don't feel comfortable, like sharing that with your parent uh, initially, you know, we want to make sure that the folks that you are talking to can kind of get you to a place where uh, you can get, you know, an evaluation or get some additional information. So, so that's kind of how I, I think about it when it comes to, Uh, young, particularly young girls who are concerned about their physique or their body or their eating habits or, you know, anything related to that. Um, These are really tough conversations to have, especially because we have these um, absurd kind of societal standards around women's physiques, particularly when it comes to sports. So knowing that that is kind of like the overarching (laughs) uh, messaging that we get from, you know, the society and the media around us, it's really hard to kind of work against that and and fight back. But at the end of the day, we got to tune that out or just kind of let it pass and make sure that we're focusing on like what, what we need to be happy and healthy. And if you're not feeling happy, if you're not feeling healthy, then it probably means you might need some help and you, it's time for some changes. Exactly. Yeah. I think just what you said about being happy and healthy, those should be priority for any athlete, any, you know, person in life, because that's, that's, what's going to give you the longevity in your lifespan of feeling good and being healthy in every single aspect, not just, you know, physically or mentally or anything like that. It's the combination. And especially for athletes who maybe aren't prioritizing that because they're thinking short term, 
skating is not going to last forever. Any sport that you do is not going to last forever. It, it's going to be pretty minuscule compared to the rest of your life. And with that in mind, you need to prioritize your basic needs first as a human, not as, you know, an elite athlete or anything else. So that, that was really great insight. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing everything that you knew today. Uh, I think this will be super helpful for all of my listeners um, and the skating community as a whole. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I mean, I know these are tough conversations to have. And I'm just really well, I'm very grateful that you're willing to kind of talk about this and share this. And, you know, this is an experience that a lot of female athletes go through. So thank you for, you know, taking the time to shed some light on this. Of course, love to do it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and I hope you got some good information out of that. Please don't hesitate to reach out and ask any questions if you have any. And yeah, please subscribe to my podcast. Give me a rating. Give me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Let me know what you think about this episode and follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And yeah, keep telling me who you want me to interview, what topics you want me to cover, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.